Hello there, everybody. It's me, Gary Kidney, the co-host of You've Got to Be Kidding Me on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. And I am Liam Jones, my full name, and I am also a part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network as a co-host, but you've got to be kidding me. We are a TNA history podcast that covers TNA one month at a time. We cover all the drama, all the matches, all the Vince Russo nonsense you could ever want in your life. Have you you heard of TNA? I bet you have. But would it be funnier if two people made jokes over it the whole time? Probably. So if that sounds like fun to you, check it out on this very Voices of Wrestling podcasting network, and Liam will do bits and whatnot. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Do you like professional wrestling? Well, we like professional wrestling too. This is Shake Them Ropes. I am Jeff Hawkins. He is Chris Novembrino. Hi, Chris. It's true. It's true. I, at last I checked, you are Chris Novembrino. I, I'm not. I'm not denying that this week. I was going to do a bit of originally where it's like, "Hey, nobody on Voices of Wrestling listens to us, anyways." We can touch. <laughs> oh, does that mean I can like come up with a different new name? No, no. No, 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 that, no. I can be somebody else. Yes, yes. You know, you can you can be any member of the voice of stable. No, uh how are you? Nobody ever asks how they are, I guess. I don't know. We didn't really do a lot of pre No, you 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 never do. And yeah, I know, because I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh. Oh, I'm sorry. Was it I actually, I, I thought you know, I was. I was hoping you'd start with your banter, and I can't well, find I, a way to. I, I was to going to, you. but then you told no. me nobody cares about me, okay, and I have to, well, Yeah, I have to well, think no, about so, that. So now, you, now you're having an existential cl- crisis. On yeah, the hang air? on a moment. I'm okay, having an existential crisis. Okay. Yes. yes. All right. Please stand by. It's okay. We're back now. Yeah. No, I'm back. Okay. I'm here. <laughs> you're here. Uh, I am here. We are here. We are here together. I don't know. Yes. You're, 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 yeah. Go ahead. I'm I'm talking. We're all talking, Dimitri. Um. So, uh, I was doing the fourth and final uh, installment of the Jimi Hendrix lecture series uh, today, which is actually why my voice is a little shot because I spoke for like two hours straight earlier. Um. And I I gotta say, prepping for Electric Ladyland, there's this amazing documentary called at last the beginning which you can like track down on amazon and a few other places too but like i watched it on amazon and if if you've ever been interested in the music of Jimi hendrix this is such a good starting getting on point about the level of depth and like arrangement and layering there's so many tracks um like individual isolated instrument tracks that are, are featured throughout the album or throughout the movie um including at the end where it's just Jimi hendrix's electric guitar part for have you ever been to electric ladyland and you really start to appreciate with all the isolated tracks done by kramer just how layered and lush and polyphonic Hendrix's work was uh, the other thing I've been really struck by in doing the lecture series. I, I think that he gets incredibly short shrift by 
musicians and music reviewers alike on the quality of his lyrics uh the burning of the midnight lamp like the second verse in burning of the midnight lamp has this whole image of a smiling painting on a frowning wall um that starts off and like it kind of continues onwards and like he does such a good job painting pictures of scenes it's it's very clear he was a big fan of bob dylan you know obviously he did cover of all on the watchtower he like jammed with bob dylan but like really was writing lyrics at at that kind of level um with maybe more um like kind of um less abstractness than dylan uh, more who, wait who person. says that jimmy henderson <clears throat> write lyrics i don't Rob- feel i feel like people sort of they don't say he's a bad lyricist, but they don't necessarily say he's a good one. Either. Chris, I want names. Is it Robert Criscow? Because that guy's a prick. So, <laughs> no, I, I just never have really heard anyone give him his laurels uh, for the quality of his lyrics. Okay. Another one I'd point to on, on the first album is uh, 51st Anniversary, which is um, about a marriage. And the first verse covers years 50 through 30. And the second verse, covers years 20 through the beginning and mm. the first verse is happy and the second one is much more disjunctive and also much more biographical to Hendrix whereas the first verse is much more abstract and sunny um he did a lot of really interesting writing about relationships and stuff and in, in his lyrics and uh yeah I, I just that is my banter here at yeah Listen I'm, to me, I'm Hendrix, gonna... not just for the guitar I'm I'm saying Pull up a lyric sheet and read some of these lyrics and give them a closer look because there's actually a lot going on. Yeah, I have to go deep into music too this week because uh, tomorrow I'm taping Music of the Mat and I have to listen to an album recorded by Terry Funk. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, you're not the only music. Uh, I'm assuming <laughs> it's a country album, but like part of me wishes that it was a funk album I ho- because of his last name. Terry Funk! Funk does funk would yeah. be awesome. Ah, <laughs> hit me now. Ah. Little horn section, a little slapping bass. Man, Come man, on. Man. Hell yeah. Hit me again. <laughs> Terry Funkadelic. That's what I want. I don't I haven't looked at the uh list. I assume it's like covers and stuff, but we'll we'll see. I'll I'll I have to listen to that after this show. So let's get to recording. Kids oh, today. oh, we're on the air. Yeah, well, we're well, we're oh. we're not on the air, but yes. Mm. Uh, kids, today's uh, object lesson about the news is is about pettiness. Now, a while ago, Chris and I had a discussion about this because I, I am somewhat uncomfortable with, uh, both both the flagship here and others in my other neighborhood at Fake Fight Game Media really enjoy when AEW takes it to WWE. Either on the air or when Twitter Tony gets snarky and and things of that nature. I, on the other hand, am a little bit more, I don't know if sanguine is the word, but at least a little bit more, hey, let's keep our powder dry for a while. We haven't won a battle yet. I don't have a Twitter. No one cares. Okay. <laughs> Do you have a Threads? Do you have a Blue Sky? What are those? Do you have a Mastodon? Those are all Twitter. I've, okay, I've heard of that last where, one. I've heard where, of that where, last 
these the, the, these are all soon either failed or soon to be failed alternatives where people go to complain that they're not on Twitter. That that's what they do there. That that is exactly what they're doing. It's a crying session for the people who who think that Twitter's nasty, blah blah blah. But then they take screenshots of all their threads or blues or whatever the hell they call it at blue sky and they post it on twitter so that they can get the same engagement all, all you're right. doing is convincing me that i spend my time wisely studying Jimi hendrix and practice that's fine no i i have i have cut back greatly on i i use it for news mostly and to try i mean i mean wrestling news for the most part but anyways where was i i, I don't know pettiness, pettiness. Yes. pettiness. okay petty. okay because because your boy me old geezer jeff I have lived through two upstarts trying to take on Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon is a known entity. Vince McMahon is a piece of crap. Vince McMahon will do anything and anything and 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 stab you in the back to uh to to win. And I think my opinion is generally if you are a good decent person or at least a good businessman who really cares about their customers etc cetera, etc. Cetera, don't be Vince McMahon. <laughs> Work on your product and then use it like that. I mean, you can be aggressive in business. Don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not I'm not saying, you know, be passive and just get beat up all the time by by the bully. But we know that Vince is the bully. It, it, it's the old adage of if you roll around uh if you roll if you want to like wrestling a pig you're gonna get muddy too or whatever the hell you know whatever cliche you want to yeah it's you lie down with dogs you get fleas yes that too well chris let's let's talk a little bit about pettiness because that's the other thing is that vince is much better at it than you if you're a good person and he also has more money to be more petty so he'll make you look small today announced survivor series for all state arena in chicago the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Why is this? Uh, why is this um, in any way uh, newsworthy? Well, Chris, what has been the AEW tradition on Thanksgiving week? Do you oh, know? They run a pay per view there, don't they? No, no, they run they run Dynamite there on Wednesday nights, and it's a pay per view quality Dynamite usually. Right, 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 right. So you have that. Earlier in the week, if you watched Money in the Bank, you saw basically a 10-minute commercial where John Cena came out and pushed for WrestleMania in London. Um, the game has changed a bit. Uh, WWE doesn't mind going after pay-per-views in, in large countries, number one, because they can leverage people. They're, what they're doing right now is they're trying to leverage Minneapolis, who really wants WrestleMania there for 2020. Five, but the key is that a two-day WrestleMania at Wembley would sell out, would likely break the company's real attendance and gate records twice, and would outdo. Oh, look at this—the AEW record that will be set. I I watched this, and it was obvious from the get-go that this is what they were doing. Um. I find this fascinating in many ways, and I think this is mostly a product of Vince being back. I don't know if Hunter would do this. He might, but this screams to me, oh, oh, you you, you think we're having a war. Well, <laughs> did you notice I have nuclear weapons here? Uh, 
your thoughts on both those things, Chris? I found John Cena's promo to be very interesting in terms of tone and it it did reek of him speaking McMahonese. Yes. Uh, it, it, like the commentary about the fans, uh, you know, Cena trying to make it like, oh, I'm on your side. Oh, no, that's how they actually felt about the fans. And like the whole, like, I'm, do- I'm doing this on behalf of the guys back there. It's like, okay, no, this is just like a good cop, bad cop routine. And who's behind that? It's got to be Vince. It's got to be Vince. Well, you know what else it felt like to me? And me being the cynical former advertising student that I am. It it felt like an attempt, and I believe that this was the point behind it, to get a quote-unquote grassroots movement and groundswell and get people going, yes, we want WrestleMania here in the UK to really try and drown out the noise of AEW coming there in a month. Yeah. I mean, they're trying to trying to start a you know definite definite second story to drown out the first story. I think that's uh, that's clearly the move here. Um, I think it's even more interesting that when I was watching the Cena promo, not even knowing the news background on it, I was just thinking about they're not even fully committing to bringing WrestleMania to England. It's like, uh, do you guys want WrestleMania? Would you like a WrestleMania? Wouldn't it be neat to have a WrestleMania? Yeah. 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 yeah just like repeating they, over and over. Yeah. They, they, they managed to do this whole segment and not actually give a deliverable other than here's John Cena, which isn't nothing, but it's also something well short of here's a WrestleMania. Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, Vince has been doing this for years. Uh, if, if you're a, if you're a student of history, he did this to Crockett when Crockett was, at the ascent it was uh oh what pay-per-view was on the same day as another uh pay-per-view as mania and then he went to the cable company and says if you carry them you can't carry us and you can't carry wrestlemania next year uh he ran the first royal rumble on usa the same night as the bunkhouse stampede which was really the first at home pay-per-view that crockett was gonna run he, he, he created Survivor Series to run on Thanksgiving, which used to be the big night for Starcade for uh, for Crockett. Um, and, and Crockett fired back. They, the, the night of, uh, or the day of WrestleMania 4, they did Clash of the Champions, the first one. That, that was the same day. Um, but, you know, Crockett fell. And then later when, when Bischoff stepped up to the plate, he fell as well. I... And and people take this as me rooting for WWE. And it's not. It it's more of don't make yourself a target if you don't need to, because you're gonna be a target anyways. I think that's how I would describe my attitude towards this. I, I know a lot of people disagree with me. A lot of people think, well, this is great for the wrestling business. This is great for this. No, I don't know about that because I think it just shows how insignificant AEW is at I mean, they they beat NXT, and that's what it's been so far. And they're not going to sell out Wembley, I don't think. They might still. I mean, we have time. But even so, it's like one of those things where it's like, even when they get to spike the football, Vince is going to find a way to suck the oxygen out of the room and take away your victories. And I I just, it's one of those things where it's like, for me, it's the 
what I really want to do is tell all the people who like the pettiness, who are rooting for the pettiness. Okay, great. You're getting it and you're getting it good and hard. And don't whine to me when you're on the losing end of it. I mean, I don't think any of this stuff is going to be particularly fatal. No, not at no. all. I, I mean, I think these are just, you know. Not yet, at least. Not yet. I, I mean. I mean, but... when, when Kenny Omega, or as I, as I said today, when uh, oh, I, I made up his NXT name, which is basically his real first name, and Kenny has his last name. When he's headlining that first night of WrestleMania against Cody Rhodes, well, then it might be a little fatal. Right. I mean, th- this if anything, does sort of indicate that Tony's not as big as he might think he is. That AEW, to your point, in terms of size and scale, Dynamite's a show that's had trouble breaking a million on a regular basis, whereas WWE has two television products that routinely do that um, comfortably. And have with SmackDown, they've gotten three million. Tony hasn't been able to do that. Tony hasn't really been able to make a massive dent in their audience. Is some of that latent to the network? Yeah, sure. But TNT is not a nothing network. Um, They're a lot closer in scale like these days than I, than I think, you know, I think they're close in scale. Yeah. I mean, it's just an also here, here, here will come the excuse makers that, you know, AEW has only been around for three Plus years and Vince has been around and he's had a head start and blah, blah, blah. And they're doing really well for what they, it's like you chose the battlefield. <laughs> you started on national television. And I mean, it's the same people who sort of embraced the framing of a war early on who are now looking at the battle reports and going, Oh, there's not a war going on here. Yeah, exactly. It's, I, it's, I, I, I don't know that I've ever believed that there's a war going on. Um, I've never really necessarily believed that WWE has been any real threat despite quality concerns. Right. And that's not as like a Mondo fan of WWE, Lord knows. Um, it's just watching AEW and then looking at the numbers and the ratings and also watching the week to week. They're not there yet. Um, right. I, I think it, it would be interesting, like in a parallel universe, if the show had, if Dynamite had had more of the energy that Collision seems to have over the last three years, would they be in a different place? I don't know. Um, but as it were, uh, they're nowhere near big enough to withstand body blows from Vince McMahon. Interesting. Uh, you bring up Collision. I'll, I'll get to that in a moment because I, well, actually, you know what? I'll, I'll get to it now. Collision did 452,000 viewers with a 0.13 in the demo and a 0.05 in 18 to 34 with that, that 0.13 represents 172,000 viewers with major decreases from week two. The show did an unheard of 11,000 viewers in men, 18 to 34 down 82% from last week, 28,000 in women, 18 to 34 down 12.5%, 106,000 in men, 35 to 49 down 18.5%. And 28,000 in women, 35 to 49, down 44%. Now, as you said, I like Collision. I do. I think it's a better show than Dynamite. It's a much more easier watch for me. I mean, here's what I'm going to say, and this is going to be the same with, like, like WWE ratings this weekend, and it's also the backdrop of us recording this show. It's the 4th of July weekend. Mm-hmm. And if you had friends and family to spend time with and do things with, you were not going to be parked in front of the television watching wrestling this weekend. 
Um, so and if you I, were, you were watching Money in the Bank on Saturday as opposed to watching Collision. Right. Uh, but like, yeah, like especially given that this was like a super Fourth of July weekend, I'm just not putting too much stock into this week. Okay, rate. fair yeah. enough. That that's fair. I, it's one of those things where I look. I I I'm not trying to do total viewers. I know that the way they now weight ratings is because of the demo. But then I look at the ratings, and by the way. Forgot this story last week, but Showbuzz no longer giving ratings on the overnights. There'll be different ways to get. You have to get through WrestleNomics, but it was just so telling that in their press release, Showbuzz goes, we'll miss you all. Maybe not the wrestling fans who are a little opinionated or something. They took a dig at wrestling fans on the way out. Um, But if you look at ratings, it's it's like one of those things where it's like, I know people don't like Fox News. I get that. But if you look at what the numbers at the five does, but they're all outside of the demo and they're giant. If you did total viewers, they'd be the number one show in that week. And there are times where I just think, well, they just, they just want to, everybody to seem hip and cool and things like that. But uh, you know what? I had forgotten that for some people it was a super weekend. It was not for me. I had to. Right. Right. Yeah. Day. But yeah, no, I mean, if, if you were out and about or you had plans, I mean, th- this is just like a very sort of unique, perfect storm weekend. Yeah. However, that being said, if next week we're here and we're talking about collisions ratings and they have settled into the like 500,000 range, I mean, that starts a conversation that, which is where I thought they were going to kind of ultimately settle into. But that also, I think, you know, continues to beg the question of like, did AEW really need another product given the fact that the first one has trouble breaking a million? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I'll, I'll get to more about why I like Collision in the Lazy River, but I do like Collision a lot. Uh, in something that is an end of an era, Jerry McDevitt and his K&L Gates law firm were replaced in defending the WWE in the MLW lawsuit case, and McDevitt later confirmed he was retiring at the end of the year. Kids, you want a litigation shark? My man, Jerry McDevitt, who worked out of the Pittsburgh office of K&L Gates, one client, and he's considered a rainmaker. And that one client, WWE. Uh, he got state laws written <laughs> of in Connecticut, which is the basis of most of the uh, most of the uh, independent contractor lawsuits when they're stuck in the in the Connecticut. It's because Jerry McDevitt helped write the laws in Connecticut. If you, if, no matter what venue they were in. Your Honor, I like a, a change of venue to Connecticut <laughs> because that's where WWE can reign supreme because Jerry McDevitt pretty much wrote all the laws to help WWE in Connecticut. You don't have to like him, but you have to respect him. He's he's an absolute animal. He's a shark. He looks every bit of a 74-year-old guy who hasn't updated his wardrobe in 30 years, if you look at a profile picture of him. But I think it's going to be interesting who WWE uses from now on as legal defense, because I don't think they're going to have as good of a lawyer as Jerry McDevitt. No, I... uh... I, I don't think so. I mean, Jerry McDevitt was sort of like a lifer, and he seemed to be sympathetical with Vince, which is not easy. Um, I mean, you know, the whole thing with the con you know, WWE AEW thing that is sort of different. You were like bringing up the other companies that have tried to go up against Vince, right? I think that 
Vince isn't that long for all of this either. I mean, right. he's back. I think he wants to live forever. I think he wants the nanotech, but I don't think like he's going to get, you know, injected with the nanotech and be cyber Vince running things, you know, in, in, in a body armor. Oh, he's going to be a brain in a jar with a ticker tape coming out and a, uh, yeah, you ever, and you ever and play and the original Wolfenstein? You know the final boss in the original Wolfenstein. Yeah, it's based on the that's based on the comic book character that I'm referencing whenever I say this, and whenever I say he has a uh, gay gorilla bodyguard <laughs> who's French. <laughs> it's a villain called the Brain and Monsieur Mala, a French ape with a machine gun. I don't know. These are just the things I picked up as a kid. Uh if Vince can get his brain in a robot body and be a cyborg, he will. I, I think that. I think he has the money to try, too. That's I, just, I don't think cyborgs <laughs> should run companies. I do. <laughs> I don't know why. I, you know. Yeah, I, that, that's this is a weak position. I don't, Ro- I don't no, robots that. have no feelings. They can make they can make pure. That's why they shouldn't run companies. I'm here for it. Uh, they're better than humans at times. Uh, what is wrong with you? You need know. a you need a hug, Jeff. I'm cranky today. It's, it's people, just when, people love you. I work in software. It's one of those things where it's like it's always the humans that are the problem. The the thing would work if humans would stop dinking around with the software. Uh, <laughs> uh, title changes this week. Uh, Raquel Gonzalez and Liv Morgan on the aforementioned Money in the Bank won the women's tag title. Julia beat Willow Nightingale for the New Japan Strong uh, Women's title. Eddie Kingston beat Kenta for the New Japan Strong Openweight title there. Uh, interesting. Eddie Kingston getting to relive his dream. A very emotional moment if you got to see it on video. Uh, yeah, Eddie Kingston gets to have basically a month-long fantasy camp where he gets to do all the Japanese wrestling he wants to do. I'm happy for him. Yeah, I'm happy for him. Yeah. Uh, I have numbers here, but I deleted the the first digit on NXT, and I don't know if it's 508,000 or 608,000 viewers. Raw, 1,828,000. SmackDown, 2,510,000. 0.69 in the demo. Rampage, 450,000 viewers. 0.13 in the demo. WWE's on a bit of a hot streak, I would say. Yeah. Um. Look, uh, the bloodline stuff, even if you think it's long in the tooth, uh, it does deliver a main event angle. Yeah. Speaking of which, that will do it for the news. Now to the Lazy River Wrestling Criticism. Whatever we watched, if we watched anything, who knows? You won't know. Um, <laughs> whatever we're thinking about, whatever comes to our mind, we can say that here. Uh, we have ice cold, freezing ice cold takes on money in the bank. I I will give my general one and then I will let Chris kick it off in terms of the money in the bank stuff. Uh, I liked this pay-per-view. It was a lot of fun to watch. It wasn't a chore at all. And the audience was great. Chris to you. I um, enjoyed the parts of money in the bank that I watched specifically. I was uh, watching the main event angle and I thought the main event was actually pretty fun. Um, I thought the, of course it was theatrical. Of course it was like the WWE soap opera sort of thing, but for his part, I just think Roman Reigns continues to just crush it on the character side now. And he's good in the ring. And 
uh, Solo Sokoa was very good in this match as well. Um, I, the part where the Usos got stacked and they both kicked out managed to get me. Um, I actually did think that Roman and uh, so, yep, I thought they were winning there. I really did. Um, so for me, uh, this is a really, really solid main event. Um, Here, here's what I really liked about the main event that I want to stay on this before you sure. move on to something else. Um, I liked the callback to the nut shot that he did against Jay Uso in that one match and Jay now returning the favor in it. Uh, I liked, I, I don't know if you got to see this, you might not have, but it was on the pre-show and it hit social media, but you're not on social media all that much. But, uh, Paul Heyman cut a hell of a promo, uh, before this and it was fantastic. I like the, and I know this is weird because it's totally not in Roman's character, but it is in some ways. They've they've kind of, for lack of a better term, bitched him out a little bit as a leader of the bloodline. When he's kind of sitting there despondent after he does the stack spot and Solo's looking at him like the best comparison to this I could think of is on the Sopranos when Johnny Sachs is crying at his daughter's wedding and getting arrested. And just uh, Phil Leotardo is looking at him going, what kind of man are you? That look from Solo Sokoa, I absolutely adored that moment. I did, I don't like the level three NXT, oh my God face all that much, but, but I liked that Solo looked like he was absolutely like losing faith in Roman. I thought he was actually going to pick him up and like smack him or something. But um, no, that match, I look, I thought that match was everything it needed to be. Yeah, sure, it got a little promo-y in the middle of it. Yes, it was cinema, whatever. Look, you got to tip your cap. It's enjoyable, and people want to watch it. Well, you can't tell me you like or you don't like cinema here and then tell me that you love the main event angle, on, or not the main event, but the world title angle on Dynamite right now because that is absolutely a comedy film. Yes, it's a buddy comedy type it's thing. It's a buddy comedy thing. So, like, uh, I mean, you know, it's all cinema, ain't it? Did did you want to go on to something else on Money in the Bank? Because I have stuff if you don't. Oh, uh, yeah, go on to something else on Money in the Bank. I loved, and I thought they all over-delivered, the women's Money in the Bank match. I, I did. It wasn't the best match they've ever had, no. But nobody was a weak link in that match at all. And and the ones you'd think might be a little bit lost or scared, they, they, they weren't. I thought Selena Vega doing the basically the code red onto a ladder she is not she is a slight woman let let me put it to you that way she's tiny if you ever see her in real life and she's taking that kind of a bump zoe stark was basically it, it was almost like they came back to her and go zoe you're the youngest one in this match yeah do crazy stuff so you're gonna get the crap kicked out of you and you'll have plenty of time in your career to heal from all this stuff her and Trish, and look, Trish was the old elder stateswoman of this match, and she's she's taking some bumps on these ladders, like that one on the outside where Becky puts her on there, and then yeah, she was doing great, and I thought I thought the ending was kind of genius. Um, we we bring out Chekhov's handcuffs, and we try and uh, we try and ha- and they try and handcuff Becky out to the post, but she's stuck wearing those handcuffs, and in the end. Bailey is fighting EO to get up the ladder. Becky's out here trying to stop Bailey. 
EO takes the handcuffs, cuffs the hand from Becky to Bailey through the ladder. Basically, he tells Bailey, help me up, climbs over Bailey and gets the suitcase. I thought it was genius. I thought it was really, really good. And then the men's money in the bank was insane. It was absolutely nuts. Logan Paul almost killed himself in that match with that uh, Spanish fly through the tables. Uh, Ricochet doing the thing where he jumps through the ladder is is never not impressive. Everybody got their chance to shine in this match. Uh, it looked like they went with the original plan of Damian Priest, which that was the original plan going in. And then LA Knight all of a sudden caught fire and then Logan Paul was added to the match. But it was always, or at least it was at least first when this was planned, this is going to be Damian Priest's reward for putting over Bad Bunny in a hot Puerto Rico show. And I think they eventually want to break him off and they see stardom in him as a solo act babyface apart from the Judgment Day. Did you get to see the men's money in the bank at all? I did. I yeah. did. Um, and I, look, uh, in, in the finish, L.A. Knight was well taken care of. I mean, Braun Breaker mentions L.A. Knight on NXT this week. Uh, I mean. Oh, I'm going to give you a, I'll give you a statistic that will blow your mind. Sure, hit me. L.A. Knight is number four in merchandise sales in WWE. Behind Stone Cold, Cody, and I believe Judgment Day, I, I think, slash Dominic Mysterio. I think Dominic's number one right now. Don't quote me on that, though. But and LA Knight is number four. turned him yet. Yeah. Like, I mean, when they finally, like, really turn him, uh, provided they do that right, uh, he, he's going to be white hot. Um, people like people who can works. talk. I mean, the, the, pop yeah. that, the pop that he got in London blew me away. Because he's even surpassing my expectations. And I, I get I get the criticisms. I think the criticisms are valid. But it's also one of those things, hey, you know, people like the rock and stone cold. So even if he's doing a cover band version, people like people liked them. They'll they'll gravitate towards him. I think he's none of these taglines are that profound, right? Is no. Adam Cole Bebe like some like really deep thing? No. Exactly. Baby. Yeah, right. Like, I mean, that's basically just a Jericho. Like, come on, baby. Like, it's like a thing that he used to say when he was on the ramp in WCW. You just have to sound like you're a bit of a jerk and you'll get over. If you sound confident and, 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 you know, you're, you're, you, you don't toe the, the status quo and you, you know, you just kind of feel a little bit rebellious. You're going to get over in WWE because it just feels so, everything else feels so, static and exposition-y if it feels like you're actually out there free balling a bit you're gonna get over and it's been proven time and time again so i mean uh, yeah uh the one down thing on this money in the bank that Shayna baszler turn was the dumbest thing i think i've seen in a while on wwe television uh it makes sense outside of of wrestling because uh ronda rousey it was reported this week and i forgot this in the news my apology uh she wants to end uh her tenure in wwe rumors are she might want to have another kid or she might want to go back to ufc don't know which but that she wants to work with Shayna before she uh leaves wrestling quote unquote for good hmm. 
professional wrestling is going to miss her for her many contributions <laughs> and i think when dave Meltzer does a retrospective on ronda rousey he will have in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we hype ourselves up thinking ah, maybe i can pull a ken griffey jr rookie card but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates it's all just a shot in the dark until now introducing slab packs from arena club Com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off. Again, that's arena club.com slash VOW net. Arena club.com slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast network if i could have a moment of your time i'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors eufy video lock eufy video lock is a smart lock a 2k camera and a doorbell all three in one offering you triple security so you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door but it's not just for security the eufy video lock is also for convenience no more concerns about losing keys and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras. Some other great features we love about the Eufy Video Lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. Keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second fingerprint 
recognition, and one second unlocking. Again, 0.3 seconds, it's going to recognize your fingerprints, and in one second, it's going to unlock. And with the AI self-learning chip embedded, the more you use it, the more accurate it will be. Also, no battery anxiety. You have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months, and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out. Uh, passcode unlocking, a remote control with a 2K clear sight. See who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service, Eufy's got you handled as well. They are on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Eufy video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys and reach in my pocket or wait, no, crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the Eufy video lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition. One second doors unlocked much much easier so if you want to jump on board with eufy video lock search eufy video lock that is e u f y video lock again that's eufy video lock e u f y video lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door Nothing but superlatives to you say. Have, no, he, no, sir, no, sir, do not interrupt me as I'm putting over one of the all-time women's talents. Well, you're, you're being snarky, but Dave on am, Wrestling Observer Radio put over Ronda as being the one responsible for, like, Becky being able to headline because of all her work in UFC. Uh, you want to listen to, to wait, wait, Observer no, Radio? I, I, actually, I, I actually don't want to listen to it after that. <laughs> I, like, like... Here's the thing about Jeff. I like to think the best about people. I really do. In my heart, I'm an optimist. And things like this make me sad. Well, I, I also think uh, it, it's funny because I think, I think Rhonda is such a natural heel. And I think people would love to cheer Shayna. And it's, it's such miscasting where it's like, oh, oh, Rhonda, we're going to miss you and your terrible promo skills. Oh, and your no, no, no. When RBS she leaves, they will be clapping. RBF. Thank you, Rhonda. Thank you, Rhonda. <laughs> it will stop the show. I mean, honestly, I bet you it'll ripple into the next match. Uh, you know who else had a really good night at Money in the Bank that, that doesn't get a lot of praise of late? It's Finn Balor. Turn, oh, Finn Balor, yes. Finn uh, Balor yeah. had a hell of a match against Seth Rollins, I thought. And I thought the Gunter and Matt Riddle was a real fun match, too. No, yeah, no, no. The whole night was a lot of fun, and it, it, it was an easy watch for me. I mean, sometimes, look, sometimes it can be a bit of a chore. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, um, I have nothing else about money in the bank. So we are back to the lazy river. Get your inner tube. Chris, what do you want to talk about? Um, I guess let's go into collision. Uh, where would you like to be in with collision? All right. I posted this as I was watching collision, but I really enjoy collision It is my favorite wrestling show during the week. It really is. I, I think it combines the best aspects of Saturday night's main event where you have like those pre show promos, basically running down everything 
you know, it tells you on the opening credits who's going to be on the show and gives highlights of that. And it, it's also the best of like the 605 because it feels like it's it's a less indie version of wrestling. It's a little more kick punch, suplex, do a move, uh, wear a guy down, and then afterwards a promo. But here's here's a theory I put out there, and I don't know if I'm correct on it. I'm probably wrong on it. I'm wrong on a lot of things, as everybody will tell me. Hmm. Yes, especially you. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody cares what I think, though. Well, uh, that's true too. I know you said uh, on the disc on the Discord they do. No, they do. There are other people who like me, but not you. Yeah, not me. No. (laughs) You have no idea how high. No, you have no idea how high I can fly. Oh, come here, give me a big kiss. No, I miss you so much. Oh, I miss you. (laughs) But for me, it feels like the angles and even the bad stuff on on Collision. It feels like to the people within this world that they're creating on the television that the things matter to them the moves matter to them they they sell more the angles matter to them people get angry over losses wins matter to them titles matter to them andrade's mask matters to him if he had cut that promo on dynamite you'd have the best friends or some other ironically detached wrestler say, oh, what's the big deal about your mask? It looks stupid and you have two more of them anyways. And they'd move on to the next thing. That That's just my opinion. Look, I, I don't mind Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy is currently my, one of my favorite wrestlers in AEW. And it, But his ironic detachment gimmick is great. And then the bell rings and he's a great wrestler. And it gets through there. I'm talking the other guys who are doing ironic forms of super indie wrestling. And they don't cut promos. And there was an article this week where it says it looks like, or I think Conan said this. I think Conan said that it looks like the young bucks have kind of mentally checked out at times in their thing. And I, I don't necessarily disagree, but moving over to collision, it just feels like people take the, the, the showmanship slash wrestling, creating a world type of thing a little bit more seriously over there. Am I off base or is there a better way to put this, Chris? So I think there is a different ratio of promos to matches. I'm with mm-hmm. you. That the matches are much more kind of like, punchy kicky like which i i think is almost a, it's a byproduct of a throwback to like the saturday night thing but i also think it's like uh i mean i think for some people who are working doing double duty or whatever it's a night off and so the general work where it's gonna be a little bit like you know a little bit less demanding on that front and i don't think that makes for bad matches um uh in fact like uh i, I thought that like ethan page coming out there against mjf that was a fun that was a fun little interaction for what it was Joe and Roddy was awesome, I thought. Yeah, Joe and Roddy was great. Punk is good on commentary. Uh-huh. I, what I think is interesting is this whole Punk, you know, still has the title, still talking like he is essentially the undefeated champion here. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially then when you go and watch Dynamite, I'm like, wait, is he? Is that really what's going on? Is is that happening right now? Um because uh, he, you know, in a weird way, does sort of have like more carriage, like he's running a real faction. You know, you had 
him in the back with FTR and him with, with Starks and, you know, he had the bag there. I don't know. That, that felt very main eventy. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I liked a lot of what, what the show was. Um, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the promos mostly, um, you know, the bullet club gold still not like, you know, amazing to me, but like the gun club, those guys have gotten like better and better week over week. Like yeah. they, they just feel more and more legit as time goes on. Um, I didn't like Juice Robinson at first. I thought it was a little bit too wacky over the top, but he's an amazing goon. You know what I'm saying? He's an yeah. amazing, he's an amazing second to Jay White. I'm I'm still not sold on Jay White per se as as a great leader of a faction. His swagger rings hollow. A little bit. I, I agree with that. Yeah, I just watching him, it's like he's trying to be this Johnny cool guy that he's not quite, and it feels forced. Yeah, there's a little mustache twirling in there. Um but you know, I'll I'll give it time. It's your turn, sir. Um. Okay. Well, if that's uh, if that's collision, then I guess we can move over to NXT, where the Raw Underground match between Eddie Thorpe Ooh. and Damon Kemp Ooh. absolutely slapped. That was hose, such hose a- me. Ho- it was hose worthy. Entered Eddie Thorpe. Uh, very pleasant surprise. Not necessarily someone I was expecting big things out of initially, you know, based on the look or whatever. And but I love Damon Kemp, and uh, I just thought they had a fantastic match. Kemp, for his part, looked like a million dollars. Did a bunch of really great moves. Uh, that German suplex from the ring to the outside was so awesome. Um, I mean, the only real note that I had about the match uh, is that Thorpe actually settled in on the wrong arm. Um, Kemp's selling the left shoulder and Thorpe does the triangle on the right. But minus that, um, I thought this is uh I thought this was like an amazing match. It was really good. Thorpe Way has legit grappling skills from his time in the New Japan strong territory as Carl Fredericks. Um Damon Kemp is awesome. I I love Damon Kemp. And unfortunately, he lives in a world where everybody wants his brother to be the big star, no matter what. His brother's the bigger name. I get this. That's why they named him Damon Kemp. But that being said, this is the best that Gable Stevenson has ever looked on any WWE program. And it got me excited to see what he could do as a professional wrestler when the rumor is he's going back to college for his last year of eligibility and to try and make the next Olympic team. So who knows how long he's going to be doing this pro thing necessarily, but I love Damon Kemp. I wish they had as much faith in Damon Kemp. I know they're riding the wrong horse because this guy is an absolute star on the mic. He has, he has like Kevin Owens level of like confidence on the mic. Like he's just very, very smooth and natural. Yeah. And natural is a great term for it. It's like he's not intimidated by the cameras at all. Nope. His personality comes through even when the light is on on the camera. You see a lot of people who are like very charismatic. And then once the lights come on, it's like, I am a robot. I talk uh, you know, the Brad or, Armstrong. Or, or, or you watch like Ivy Nile, who, uh, yes. whatever that was this week. Uh, no, and like Damon Kemp is such, and he's doing this 
with scripted dialogue from WWE, which is like heavily scripted. So I mean, imagining him just being able to flow, uh, I just think he's he's got a very very high ceiling. Um, and if WWE doesn't see it, uh, Tony Khan ought to take a look for sure. I am going to make one other comment about NXT. Chris, during the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln suspended writs of habeas corpus for prisoners of war and opposition to the government. Tony D has been in prison for four weeks now, and nobody's told him what crime he's committed. Well, I mean... (laughs) He's in a jurisdiction where you could also get the charges dropped if you win a match. Um, but, but apparently there's rats and there's people who are narking on him and he's being held and nobody has told him what his crime is. Yeah, he shouldn't he have access to an attorney within a yes, certain time? Yeah, where, yeah. Where, where, where is the NXT attorney? We've had plenty of them in the past. We <laughs> had Tommaso Ciampa as an attorney at one point in WWE. Where, wrestling loves its lawyers where the hell is this one or a certified public defendant to help mr mr rich gangster at least post bail that's has he had a bail hearing i know and like you know what stack's doing here he's like he's like not thinking about trying to get get tony bailed out he's just like i'm gonna make a weird deal with the coffee brothers I uh, I howled when I skipped to that scene, and it you know started off with Lorenzo just mid scene going like, "If I win the match, then the charges get dropped." What charges? <laughs> Come on! Yeah, uh, although although still not the dumbest criminal in NXT, that would belong to Gigi Dolan, <laughs> who vandalizes an office and leaves a note. <laughs> As- <laughs> Well, she's a baby face, but she's still a punk. She's a baby face, but she's still a punk. But she got paint poured on her. She goes and she trashes a porn businesswoman, Kiana James's office. Tells it's her as if Kiana James would be sitting there going, now who? Who in their right mind would want to come to my office and throw paint? You know, I have painted. So many people this month. <laughs> I have just been on a nonstop Bob Ross ass kicking festival. I mean, and then, <laughs> okay, so the other thing was Blair Davenport and Roxanne had a, uh, Roxanne Perez had a match uh, on NXT. And I thought that that was a, what is the opposite of a banger? A clunker? clunker. Um yeah, bowling shoe ugly. If you yeah, no that 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 was a clunker. Um, I and it was not one or the other. It it both just kind of looked rough. Um, that during the course of that match. Um, that I don't know. Just just worth noting, or just something, just an observation. I always bring this up, and I hate to do it, but remember, Blair Davenport took out both Riho and Br- Britt Baker at one time or another when she was in AEW. Make I'm, much more, I'm much more willing to believe that Blair Davenport was the uh, problem uh, yes. in that match. Although, <laughs> I didn't think, I, I just, Ruby Riot and Britt Baker do not have in-ring chemistry. And they're both good performers. 
but that wasn't a great i mean the women had a rough week this week for the most part other than money in the bank because we we had that gauntlet match where the one highlight of that katana chance doing this the standing her karana off off the top turnbuckle was amazed balls and chelsea green is of course willing to do just about anything for anybody I, that was great but the rest of that match stunk um you know we we had you know the women's matches on nxt weren't very good uh you, uh, you know i take that back Rhea Nat- natty w- was better than it had any right to be so so i'll take back my statement that they overall had a rough week because because Rhea and natty Natty put on her working boots against Rhea Ripley on Raw, so that that was pretty good. But the rest of the week, on both companies, it was some rough sledding go, going through there, and it, it's just one of those things where I don't know if it's just generally they're trying to do too much, and it would just be better to keep it simple. They're trying to do way too many choreographed moves, etc. I don't know what it was, but there was just a lack of chemistry across the board with a lot of people this week. Um, yeah, your turn. Um, I'm seeing, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> Dynamite. Yes. MJF. Oh, Adam Cole, baby. Uh, yeah. It, it, this is not good. It is my starting line here. Um, this is not helping Adam Cole. I think the, one decent piece of writing here is that Roddy's been hospitalized and stretchered out by Joe. So now it gives, makes a really good explanation for where's Roddy and all of this. Um, I thought that that piece of, uh, that piece of business was really smart, but what, what was left here is an Adam Cole who is not particularly likable and nor is an, and, and a hammy MJF who comes off as so schmarmy and so disingenuous um, that it almost makes him seem stupid. Like there, it, there's, uh, I mean, the one time you saw like a bit of villainry or whatever is where he was going to like, um, put the pie in, in someone's face or whatever, or the, cake. the cake, yeah. yeah, the cake. But, uh, outside of that, uh, I, I just find him schmarmy. I don't find Cole's performance to be compelling or interesting. And like the match, was perfectly competently executed as a comedy match sort of thing. Come on, do the abdominal stretch with me, buddy, that sort of thing. But uh, is this a main event angle? Is this something that's getting me more intrigued to see an MJF and Adam Cole serious title match? Um, No. Like, the build here to the eventual Adam Cole-MJF match is, once again not really heating up the angle so much as it is filling the space. They're taking the wrong notes from Stanford and the bloodline angle, in my opinion. Uh, I'll, I'll expound a bit on this. Uh, overall, I am not a fan of my main event angles mixing with my comedy. I think co- there can be comedy within there, if it's naturally funny, et cetera. But I think, how do I put it? There, there are notable exceptions. Like uh, the one that I always bring up, Ric Flair uh, winning the night with Precious, uh, gets to the hotel room, gets knocked out by Ronnie Garvin and Drag. 
but that's an angle around sex. Still a comedy angle, but still kind of adult in nature. Um, people will point to Sami Zayn in the Bloodline as as well. That's a comedy thing, you know. The that uh, you you praised all that, Jeff. I go, yes, I did. But the point of that was the comedy guy was eventually going to be destroyed by the main event guy, and the main event guy never lost that feeling of doom, so to speak, when everybody was laughing. It, it's almost like the how am I funny scene in Goodfellas type of thing. You always know Joe Pesci is going to be a threat. And that's what makes the funny part even more dangerous. What they're doing here. Look, I love me a good Memphis slash Mid-South cake angle. I do. I love stupid celebrations and stuff like that. I just don't want my main event champion being involved with them. I want the it's Midnight Express. No, you sort of nailed it, right? Like, even in the win over Ethan Page, he won by getting an early advantage on the chop block and just sort of like, you know, finishing it out academically from there. It wasn't, um, I mean, it didn't come off as menacing per se. Uh, it didn't necessarily, you know, get, you know, he took a, not even a shortcut, but you know what I mean? Like what he did didn't make you go. It, it's something that you kind of feel like anyone could do. Um, he needs to have these moments of uh, real viciousness and and I, I don't see it. Well, I think it's going to take a turn in tone because I believe the next round of this tag team tournament, they're going to be facing this makeshift team of Brian Cage and Big Bill. And if you recall, both Big Bill and Brian Cage have been hired by MJF at one point to destroy opponents for MJF. Uh, Brian Cage with the... Um, Oh, he was paid off by MJF to to oh to break Daniel to break Brian Danielson's arm or whatever, and then Big Bill, of course, was part of the you know the the Jericho uh, test, and also I believe uh, you know the 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 firm and stuff. So I think I think they're gonna do that whole Sting Ric Flair versus Arn and Brian Pillman thing where we we tag Adam Cole and then all three of them just beat the crap out of him. I th I think that's coming. I don't know if it'll be vicious enough for anybody to go, oh my God, or whatever, or be angry at it. And it's going to be treated as kind of comedy. And, you know, Tony Schiavone being a little bit, you know, oh my God, this is just a, you know, but then, you know, Taz will make a crack to undercut the seriousness of it or something. But I have been so wrong on this MJF title run that I do think, to your point, I think. CM Punk feels like the champion of AEW at times. I, I know. And, and I have, I there are questions that I have about CM Punk and this whole, I'm the real champion stuff. Uh, and, it's undercutting MJF at the same time. Right. And whose idea it is and like who's greenlighting it and who, yeah, I, I I'm, I'm fascinated by the whole thing, honestly. Yeah, it feels it, like it definitely undercuts MJF. But yeah, it feels like but it should MJF's be building... doing a fine job of that himself too. Yes, yes, he doesn't need any help in doing that because you know, and I, 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 I think that the other idea in the back of their head is to prove that Adam Cole is such a great heel that he doesn't get stupid, stupid babyface syndrome. You know, he sees through 
all of MJF's tricks, et cetera, et cetera. And he, and he can't really, he's not really a full on baby face because he's been a heel for so long and he's such a great heel. I, I think it's an idea that's a little bit too clever for its own good. I, I just, it's, it's one of the, you know, Oh, they both hate Shivani. Womp womp. I get it. You know, it would be funny if MJF weren't the champ. If MJF were still, you know, on the, on the rise, et cetera. If this, if this were him during the Jericho crappy musical feud, let's put it that way. Uh, I'd be, I think I'd be a little bit warmer to it, but I'm not warm to this because I'm just like, is MJF a guy who can carry your company? And my answer is getting to be no. Yeah. Um, I think the matches are good. I, but here's what has been really fascinating to me that the matches have sort of met my expectations or been above them. And the character work and the promo work and the story work has been so much below it for a guy, for a guy who likes to be Mr. Theater. Mm hmm. I mean, th- this guy likes musical numbers in his title reign, and yet the story isn't very good. It's <laughs> it's the difference between great theater and community theater, which is interesting. Now, you, you bring up a good point. For a guy who likes theater, this is bad theater. This is off-off-off-Broadway uh, theater. Although you can find some good shows on Off 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 Broadway, to be honest. No, I no, I yeah, right. That's that's sort of like not even fair to Off Off. I I, I I don't want to mean mean to denigrate such things because you know, hey, I've been a, I've been a star of stage before, so yeah, it's although improv is like the bastard child of stage. I've done a play. I, I've done a play. They're fun at times. Uh, <laughs> uh I'll I'll put over Keith Lee this week on Dynamite. I. I adored this more than my partner on the dynamite show. This is the best Keith Lee I've seen in AEW. This is the Keith Lee I wanted and was so much fun watching him destroy both Darby Allen and orange Cassidy. Uh, Just chopping a guy to to bits was a hell of a lot of fun. I also liked this little piece because this is something I've been talking about in these randomizer tournaments that aren't random that put enemies together. Keith Lee playing the character of, hey, I'm in this situation. I'm going to put aside our grudge so I can get a shot at tag team gold because I don't have that right now and this is an opportunity. And being a professional about it, I thought it was spectacular stuff. He never went heel. He stayed babyface. He didn't, uh, you know, I know everybody, (laughs) the running joke is they're never going to pay off this feud with Swerve. But man, uh, and Keith Lee dyeing his hair back black and cutting off the Santa beard makes him look 30 years younger. And he, and he looks in great shape now. I, I absolutely adored Keith Lee on, on Wednesday night. Yes, I, I, I will definitely say that I'm glad he no longer looks like the Beast from X-Men. Um, <laughs> I, I'm glad that he has uh, he has gone back to the the other look. Uh, it definitely suits him better and uh, holds him in better stead. Uh, I'm going to denigrate people's favorite right now, and um, I, I apologize in advance. I only merely liked the Kenny Omega Wheeler Yuta match, and I liked it mostly for Yuta. I disagree heavily with Dave Meltzer on Kenny Omega selling during this match. It actually, to me, looked like he was just going through the motions. 
I, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know if there is something wrong. Uh, you know, he'd occasionally grab his neck and then he, you know, he, he fell when he was trying to do that. You can't, uh, I forgot the name of the move, what he calls it when he does the, uh, he basically kind of, you know, plants the guy, jumps on the turnbuckle, does a moonsault thing. Um, for me, I wanted more. Sen- this is a blood feud between the BCC and the elite. And Kenny is just out there doing a match. And it's a good match. And it's and it's well done. And Yuta's looking great too. But Yuta is putting some sauce on his moves. You know, being the prick type of thing. And Kenny just looks like, oh, this is really not my feud. I shouldn't be involved with it. But they've never mentioned that in any of the character work they've done. I, it was the character work of Kenny that was driving me nuts this week. And I, I think... I think for all the elite, they're kind of lacking in this at times because, again, it feels like these feuds really don't matter to them, that they're just they're going to get a couple of snarky quips in there and then they're going to have great matches and everybody's going to love it. And I just, it's one of those things where I was left wanting. Your mileage may vary. I know Kenny Omega is a lot of people's favorite and I get that and I get that and I'm not as much on board. I'm not trying to purposely be a jerk about it. I'm just trying to be critical but i don't give enough praise to kenny omega either and i realize that yeah i i don't have anything to add on that he, one. he was hit with a screwdriver chris i mean why is he back wrestling <laughs> that's that's the other thing it's like these these selling jobs of injuries are nothing these days uh do you have anything else uh, the Don Callis, Chris Jericho angle was very long and did not leave me intrigued in the slightest at the end. Oh, but, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping at least the Jack Perry ousting Jericho as the head. Right. Of the I, I mean, that's, that, that that's kind of what I think it, it is going to set up. He's, he's going to realize that at the end of this, he doesn't need a faction. And that's when like the Jericho appreciation society no longer appreciates. Well, I, I think he's going to be the Larry Zabisco of the 1992 dangerous Alliance uh, for the, I think he's going to get added to blood and guts. And I think he's going to be part of this callous team with the BCC. And I think he's going to lose the match. And then I think the BCC is going to destroy him. The JAS is going to turn on him. And then he's going to go off and do play rock star during the summer for the European tour and come back with a fresh new character based on a movie guy. Cause that's what he likes to do. This is the Jericho way. Um, I'm kind of here for it also at the same time. I, I hope he's the losing character in this blunt guts match in two weeks. Cause I think, I think he's still going to be awesome in the match, but it's just one of those things where it's like, I, I am not into strange jumping back and forth between heel and babyface Chris Jericho at times. I think his heel shtick is pretty good, but I still think he wants the adulation of being a legend. So it, it's always kind of weird to me, you know, and it, it, Jericho's next match is against commander. And that is so on, again, we've said Jericho likes pairing himself with the hot young thing to try it, you know, and, and, you know, your mileage may vary as to how well he puts over the guys he goes up against, but it's just one of those things where it's like, I could use Chris Jericho off my screen for a while. I think that's the point of, I'm, I'm trying to get here in the long roundabout way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you are exhausted. Let's end it. I, I, I have to. I have to go rafting in the morning. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, okay. No. That's, 
Oh, someone's an outdoorsman. Look at me. I, I have a girlfriend and I'm going rafting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, you can follow me at Crap Game 13. There's a lot of free audio of me this week. Uh, it, I'm on Fight Game Media, patreon.com slash fight game media, but our show wasn't behind the paywall this week. We're giving out uh, during the month of July various free shows. We were picked to be first. So Paul Fonte and I are on the free feed of Fight Game Media this week with the Dynamite Show. Give it a gander. If you like it, subscribe. If you don't, keep it to yourself. <laughs> I'll also be taping Music of the Mat with uh, Andrew Rich, our friend and pal over there, talking again this this Terry Funk album from like 1979 that is not all funk of which I am very disappointed. So look for that on the Voices of Wrestling master feed or the Music of Matt feed, whatever. I'm on, again, I'm on Twitter at CrapGame13 being snarky. Chris is doing music on Instagram, not yet on Mastodon, Blue Sky, or Threads. Hopefully yeah. he does not go Place there. Place bets now, people, as to when I'm getting on there. Well, you have a Threads account if you have an Instagram account. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> What is, uh, whatever whatever that it's is basically, it's basically bad reddit for but they're trying to keep the uh, uh it's basically mark zuckberg saying hey let's have a happy community and social online and everybody gets along together and he doesn't understand if people want to fight on social media so if you want to fight chris d-o-c-t-o-r underscore n-o-v tell us more about your guitar lessons Yes, uh, if you are interested in the Jimi Hendrix course, you can uh, the all all eight hours of it is available um, for purchase uh, now that the whole thing is done um, for the uh, rate of seventy five dollars. If you want personal lessons, you can hit me up on uh, on Instagram, and uh, I do uh, lessons and uh, private lessons for guitar, bass, uh, drums, all that sort of thing. So. If you are interested in music lessons, uh, and I know a couple of people have reached out to me, um, and I actually need to get back to somebody about this, or like we were going back and forth, and I haven't nailed down things. Um, please do. I would like to. Uh, I would like to teach you music. Chris, give us a smooth jazz outro. Cool ninety four point five <laughs> K Y O T the Coyote. Ow. My name is Tyler Fornis, and I am one of the co-hosts of the Good, the Bad, and the Hungi AEW podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. We take a broad scope approach to the world of all elite wrestling and the entire universe of Tony Khan. We talk about the big matches, the big stars, the promos, the storylines, and we also look at it from a big picture perspective. How are things going to change over the course of the next 10 years with AEW still in the picture? How are companies like WWE going to adapt and adjust to AEW? Are they going to be a similar way like they did with WCW in the late 1990s? Will there be a counterpunch? We talk about all of that and more on The Good, The Bad, and The Hungi every week on the Voice of Wrestling Network.